We turn in God's Word tonight to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. As you're turning there, I, I just have to ask, can you hear me okay? Whenever I get this, I always get the feeling you can't, so I try harder, and I think that makes it worse yet. So if you can hear okay, okay if I got an okay that you're all right, then I'm not going to try to push it here as well. So I have a funeral to deal with tomorrow as well, so I'd like to spare as much of this voice as I can this evening. And although usually in my mind I think, okay, the voice is going, this probably better be a short sermon, you know how that often goes. So don't get overly excited either. Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's bow in prayer. Dear Lord, once again, we thank you for this privilege and opportunity we have this evening to come and worship you. Dear Lord, we just ask now that you be with Pastor Bob, and we know he's had a long couple days, and and it continues on through tomorrow, dear Lord, and just be with him and his voice and, and guide him, dear Lord. And we just ask that you be with us as a congregation, that we listen to and accept this message that you have given us. This we ask in your name. Amen.
and amen. Thank you, brother. I'm going to look at two things this evening under the theme of thanksgiving. Last Sunday, uh, we heard a profession of faith, and we were back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and looking at the, the call to live a thankful life. So that thanks is something that that God in the Word tells us we're to live out. There is a certain expression, there is a certain way to live that God sees as a way of thanks, a thanks living. Tonight we want to deal with the theme of thanksgiving. And Lord willing, Wednesday night, for a few moments, we want to deal with the subject of thanks praying. Thanks praying, but for tonight it's thanksgiving. And no, it's not in terms of we need more money. No, it's not in terms of, okay, cough it up. You know, the OPC uh, thank offering is coming. Come on, we need more. Um, you folks are always been very generous, always been very giving. You don't need that prod. Okay, We as a congregation have been exceedingly blessed with thankful giving in terms of finances, in terms of time. But this is more just the root. What is thanksgiving all about? And so to do that, let's take that and divide it into two parts tonight. First of all, the definition of thanksgiving. And secondly, the reasons for thanksgiving. It's a very common term in Scripture. The word thanksgiving or giving thanks is used between 170 and 200 times in the Bible. You say, why the difference? Because some versions might translate a particular term as thanksgiving. Others might translate it as a different term. So depending on your version... Okay. It's somewhere between 170, that was the least amount found in any version, to upwards of 200, which was the most times it is found in Scripture. In fact, Paul, in his writings alone, uses the idea and the term of thanksgiving 40 times. The book of Colossians, he uses it seven times. It is indeed one of Paul's favorite terms. It's a term that Paul continually comes back to. And, and if you were reading, as we came to the end of the reading tonight, right? Be thankful. Sing psalms, hymns with thankfulness in everything you do. Giving thanks to God the Father. Three times already, just in those concluding verses, Paul has come back to it. The idea of thanksgiving is central to Paul's theology of what it means to have experienced salvation. That's one of the reasons why I, in organizing sermons, I, I put this one this evening after having been at the table after having been at that table, which was the reminder that now is the day of salvation, the reminder that we have indeed experienced salvation, 
that we have experienced by grace and by grace alone. That we have not earned this. We have not deserved this. We have not in any way, shape, or form deserved God's forgiving us and pardoning us from all of our sins. The response to that is thanksgiving. Now, not celebrating the, what is it, the third Thursday of November by eating turkey, gathering with family, watching some football probably, playing some games. Now, it's, it's, it, it's, it, that's not what I mean. It's not this, this custom and this form that we have come up with. But it's the the genuine response of the heart having experienced salvation. That's why Paul uses it so often. His heart, his heart is, is, is just motivated and filled with a thankfulness to the Lord for what the Lord has done. You sometimes wonder, are people really grateful for it? Are they really thankful for the salvation? And I don't mean that in terms of this individual and that, in terms of making a judgment about them, but just in general, are we as Christians really as as thankful as we could be, as we should be, as we ought to be? For the salvation that we have been given through Jesus Christ. Well, that gives you a few of the statistics about how it's used in Scripture and how often. But what you really need to know about the word thanksgiving is that it's made up of two Greek words. The first Greek word, okay, is called karazamai, means grace. The second Greek word is homologeai, logeo, sorry, homologeo, which means to confess or to acknowledge. What is thanksgiving? It is to acknowledge grace. What is thanksgiving? To acknowledge or to confess grace. Let's step back from that a minute. Think about... Maybe the custom was in your home growing up. Maybe it's still the way you say it. Okay? It was never my parent, it was never my father's way of, of praying. My, my dad would never say, let's now say grace. That, that my, for some reason, my dad just never used that term. But I know in many families you do. You say, let's have a word of grace. Let's say grace. Let's stop and think about that a minute. What, what does that, what do we mean by that? Why did they call that saying grace? I mean, we just don't use the term, okay? It's not like we say, bow our heads, grace. So what do we mean by saying grace? What we meant by that, what, what perhaps you mean by it, what your parents meant by it, It means to acknowledge 
that all that we have comes from God. That's what thanksgiving actually is. Now, it's an understanding, yes, all that I have spiritually comes from God. Absolutely. But grace, as it's used here with thanksgiving, does not only include spiritual matters. It also includes material things as well. So that individuals would bow their head, fold their hands, and what would happen? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the food that is upon this table. We thank you for the health that we have experienced in life. We thank you for our family. We thank you for a good day of work. We thank you that perhaps in the farming community, in the agricultural days, we thank you none of our cows were sick today. Thank you that they produced a good amount of milk today. Notice what we called that. We called that saying grace. Maybe there was included in that prayer an acknowledgement of the salvation we have in Christ. But we didn't limit the idea, and the idea is not limited to only that matter. It's simply the acknowledgement. All that I have, all that I have been given, comes from God by grace. That I am not deserving of my home. I am not deserving of my family. I am not deserving of my health. I'm not deserving of my job. I'm not deserving of that. All of it comes from grace. The only thing you and I really deserve is judgment and wrath. But God is gracious. He gives us so much. When Paul uses the expression then of giving thanks, we could say as I kind of summarized it in the third point under this first one, that thankfulness is a mental or verbal expression of appreciation for what God has done. I referenced it this morning, but think about the situation again. Jesus had healed ten lepers. He had told those lepers, now go show yourself to the priest. All ten of them go. Except for one. One left, but then comes back. Remember what how Jesus responds to the one? We're not ten cleansed. And yet only this one comes back to give thanks. And when that leper came back, he wasn't coming back to thank Jesus for dying on the cross. That wasn't on his radar screen. He wasn't thanking Jesus for sending the Holy Spirit into his heart and into his life, causing the darkness to flee and the light to come. 
He was just thanking him for healing him. But yet Jesus looks at that as you see, that's thanksgiving. He came back to acknowledge that which Christ, that which God had done for him. He came back to acknowledge the cleansing that he had received. Thanksgiving is that constant giving thanks continually, as Paul asked us to do. That constant mental awareness that all, all is from him. One of the reasons why perhaps we as North Americans struggle with this is because it's so inbred in us that we work and we earn our own way. No, I put in all those hours. I earned that money. I earned that paycheck. But who gave you the strength to put in all those hours? Who blessed the company with the ability to pay you the rate they're paying? See, we tend to look at it in in such this, this individualistic way that I have done it, I have earned it. But to some extent, what we have done is we have relegated Thanksgiving to one day a year on the calendar. And I don't mean that in terms of you folks. I mean that in terms of our society. If you really stop to think about this, do we really need one day to be told this is the day to give thanks on? What does that mean about the other 364 days of the year? Are those days not to give thanks? Are those days where we don't have to acknowledge God? Are those days in which we can go our merry way and not even give God a thought? Just listen in this coming week. Just listen, okay, as people talk about Thanksgiving Day. You know, as as people at, well, maybe they're somewhat Christian-affiliated, but a lot of them have no Christian affiliation at all, and they'll just talk about, yep, this is our national day of giving thanks. To who and for what? And why not the rest of the year? See, Paul isn't talking here about the fact in Colossians that we ought to be people who make sure we set aside the third Thursday of November for giving thanks. Not that I have a big objection to it. But what Paul is saying is, no, that type of thanksgiving is not the one-day-a-year holiday in which you really stuff yourself, and it's really all just about you anyway. What Paul is talking about is an ongoing, daily, moment-by-moment, giving thanks always. Always living in the knowledge that all that I have All that I have been given, materially and spiritually, is by grace. 
and grace alone. Secondly, the reasons for thanksgiving. There are some reasons why we really ought to be involved in this kind of life of, of thanksgiving. Well, one, it glorifies God. Turn back with me to the passage that we examined a few weeks ago in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start at verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As grace extends, now he's talking here primarily, spiritually, that as God's mercy, as God's pardon, As God's salvation is extended, what is the result? The result of that is thanksgiving. People who acknowledge grace. What does that do? It glorifies God. What is the chief end of man? Westminster Catechism asks. It's to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If we want to fulfill the purpose for which we have been created and the purpose for which we have been recreated, then that which we will do is thanksgiving. Because Paul says, when grace is extended, thanksgiving goes up and God is glorified. And if our desire the desire of our heart is truly to glorify God, then the means by which we may glorify God is giving Him thanks, acknowledging Him. Secondly, why do, what are the reasons for thanksgiving? One, it glorifies God. Secondly, it's commanded. Turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, one we often associate with thanksgiving, don't we? Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. That's not a suggestion, that verse 4. It's not God coming and saying, you know, it'd be nice when you come to worship that you come with thanksgiving. 
That's a command. This is the way I want you to come. When you come to worship me, I want you to come not grudgingly, not mumbling, not grumbling. I want you to come with a heart of thanksgiving. You're coming to worship me because you realize that you need to acknowledge to me all that I have done, all that I have given to you. It's commanded. Now, I had you turn to Psalm 100, but let me give you the list. I made some copies. They're in the back. I won't read them all because of the voice. First Chronicles 16.8, O oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Verse 34, O oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good. His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 17, 7, verse 17, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness. Due to His righteousness. And I will sing praises to the name of the Lord the Most High. Psalm 30, verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. Psalm 32, verse 2, give thanks to the Lord with a lyre, make melody to Him with the harp of ten strings. Psalm 97, verse 12, Rejoice in the Lord, O you His righteous, and give thanks to His holy name. Psalm 105, verse 1, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among all the people. Psalm 106, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 107, 1, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 118, 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136, 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Do you get a theme? Why should I have a life of thanksgiving? glorifies God. This is what God commands. This is what God desires. This is what pleases God, that I live an obedient life of thanksgiving. See, part of my obedience to the Lord is bringing to Him thanksgiving on an ongoing, regular basis. Third, third reason for thanksgiving is that there are consequences for not. There are consequences for not. If I were to look for terms that I would say reflect the opposite of a person who is thankful, I'll just kind of run that in your own mind a minute. What is the opposite of a thankful person? A bitter person? And I don't know many bitter, thankful people. I know a lot of ungrateful, bitter people. They can't find any reason to give thanks. They're always bitter. They're always angry. 
What is the consequence of not being a thankful person? You're going to become a bitter person. Maybe the word a complaining person or a grumbling person. You're always going to be finding something wrong. You're always going to be finding fault. It's, it's never good enough. The temperature only reached 67 Friday. Okay, why couldn't it have been 70? Oh, we only got 1.5 inches of snow yesterday. Why couldn't it have been 6? Grumbling, complaining person. Remind you of anybody? Remind you maybe of the Israelites? See, I chose 90, Psalm 95 as our call to worship tonight because there was the call. Come into God's presence. Come into His presence, praising Him. But let me pick it up where I left off. Remember what it is? Know that the Lord is God. Is he who made us? Today, if you hear his voice. And I thought, how applicable to this morning, right? Behold, now is the day of salvation. The psalmist writes, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test. And put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Sounds like God does not deal kindly with complaining grumbling, bitter people. People who cannot acknowledge with thanksgiving the blessings that they receive from the Lord. Who got bread out of the sky and then complained when they didn't follow the instructions. Who got led out of bondage in Egypt and complained when they had to go without some water for a few days. God did not deal kindly with it. See, there are consequences. There's consequences in our relationship with the Lord. This bitterness, this grumbling, this complaining, this lack of thanksgiving separates us from the Lord. You know that. You experience that. Right? We are in the image bearers of God, so we experience this too. When we do something gracious for someone else, maybe it's one of our children, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's another relative, and you don't even get a thanks, how desirous are you to do it again? You go, you know, I helped you one time, a couple of times. Maybe I helped you a half a dozen times. And you know, you, you never said thanks. There's a separation that occurs. But you know, if somebody is thankful, 
and they express that appreciation, what happens? We're much more willing to help and to assist again. Psalm 95. You're a bunch of complaining whiners. And that ruined our relationship. They set you in the desert for 40 years. You never got the full blessing that could have been yours. How many of us, my friends, how many of us live in this world without the full blessing of God because rather than being thankful, rather than a life of thanksgiving, we have a life of complaining, a life of bitterness, a life of grumbling. Fourth, four reasons. One, it glorifies God. Two, it's commanded. Three, there are consequences. The fourth one is this. Behold what God has done. Behold what God has done. Look, listen. Go back with me to the first chapter of the book of, uh, back in Colossians chapter 1. See, Paul here in chapter 3 was telling us about being thankful, about living thankful, having thankfulness in our hearts. But he in chapter 1 had told us the reason why. The ultimate reason why. Go back to chapter 1, verse 9 of Colossians. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Listen to that. The Father has qualified us. The Father has said we are worthy to share in the inheritance of the saints. We didn't qualify ourselves. He qualified us in Christ. I have a reason every day to live a life of thanksgiving, a life in which God is acknowledged for His grace because He qualified me. He made me worthy. An unworthy sinner like me, like you, God has made worthy in Christ. But not only that, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us the kingdom of His beloved Son. He has delivered us. He's rescued us from the pit. He's rescued us from hell. 
He's rescued us from the wrath that should have come upon us. Why should I live a life of thanksgiving? He rescued me. And He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why should I give thanks? God has qualified us to share in the inheritance. He's delivered us out of the dominion of the darkness. Satan is no longer our master. We no longer have that cruel taskmaster over us. We have the God of mercy and of compassion, God of love. So that he comes to us and he says, take my yoke upon you. For it is light. Not a heavy taskmaster. That's what the devil brings. The devil brings bondage. Christ brings freedom. And I've been transferred into the kingdom of his son. And I didn't do anything. It's all what God has done for us. Give thanks to the Lord, O ye his people. And God's people say, Amen. Father, we do thank you for your word, for its reminder to us in this evening hour of grace given, grace extended, grace received, grace delivered. Grace, Father, not only in terms of the spiritual blessings we have, but grace in terms of the material blessings we have in life as well. Lord, may our lives be lived with thanksgiving to you. Those who always acknowledge your goodness. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.